0: Live from Washington, D.C., this is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. And it's time for the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics, broadcasting from Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C., your nation's capital. Uh, Joining me through the greatness of Google Hangouts, he is the retired one-star Admiral of your United States Navy from Boca del Vista. He is Admiral Ken. Hello, Admiral Ken.
1: Hello. We're going to have to wrap this up. Jerry and Elaine are coming over later. Oh,
0: God. <laughs> there we go. Nice. And it starts. What the about second. Kramer? Exactly. We don't like Kramer. Yeah, we, don't little, like, we don't like Kramer. He's no, a, little, no. a little racist for our <laughs> taste. Uh, we're trying something new here. Uh, joining us in studio is, I know for those of you who have been listening to us for a long time you know that you're used to hearing the the soothing, calm, docile tones of Dossed Alan Moore. Tones. Docile tones of Alan Moore. <laughs> uh, Dan Littner's eager, eager yes. vibe. We're trying something new because apparently they have families and they have spring breaks. Jeez. But joining us in studio for this show, which I, I'm honored, uh, first of <laughs> all, I want to thank Charlie Burney, our host here, the Yay. founder and owner, mm. one of the owners of, of Podcast Village, for hosting us and coming on board to talk politics with us. But we we actually have somebody who actually ha- has like legitimate standing yeah. in the community. Other than me, yes. I'm even including you. you. Mean, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, somebody, I resemble that. Yeah, so, yeah. Somebody who's actually given back to the community instead of sucking it out, mm. the life out of it, like I do. Uh, <laughs> joining us today, she is... Uh, community, uh, she's a community organizer. She's been in, in, involved in the nonprofit community for a while. Uh, she also. A while is yeah. polite. Oh, well, I'm thank not going to put, na- oh, no, no, no. no. put a number thank on you. it. Yeah. So I'm up. not going to put a number on that. Excellent. So yeah, the, yeah la- laugh it up, chuckles there behind the glass. I see you, Rob. <laughs> uh, joining us here is the host and creator of a great podcast thank called you. Power Station, which also broadcasts from here in Podcast Village. Yes. And Pastor Merrick. And thank you for joining us. Thank this you is for fun. inviting me. No, this is kind of last minute, but hey, who cares? Kind
2: of like five minutes ago. Exactly. Good.
0: Exactly. Shh, don't give them timelines. It's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> they can download this. That's right.
2: Uh,
0: so anyway, uh, thank you
2: for having me. No, no,
0: no. and, and joining us behind the glass, obviously, is uh, Rob, the engineer. First of all, let me let me do this. <laughs> let me just give it a little bit of a of a shout out. Tell me about your podcast. So the listeners, you. you do enjoy. Our stuff and the other, yes, uh, the other uh, broadcasts that come out of Podcast Village. Tell them about your 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 podcast.
2: Well, thank you, and I am a listener to yours. What? I listen to Backroom Paul. Poly- yes, no. I do. I do for oh. real. I do for real. That's awesome. So Power Station is about nonprofits that build community influence and power. Right. And we have guests on that should be in those little boxes within MSNBC when they're talking all night to (laughs) federal prosecutors and whomever and reporters who are great and knowledgeable. But the people who really know how the issues we work on and deal with every day in Washington, D.C., throughout the country – um, that are generated by good and bad and that uh, address issues like the racial wealth divide and housing and uh, job development. We tackle all those issues at Power Station, but I'm talking to people who are movers and shakers in that field. Are you,
0: yeah. it, it, not to turn this into an interview, which it, it actually might because I'm fascinated by this. It, 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 are are you finding that the the difficulty of the the shifting dynamics of politics and not just on the far right radical side but also what we would consider the social democratic. I mean it was nice when we had conservative and progressive right we had conser- we had you know uh, conservative and liberal now there are different flavors right. in this it's ice cream it's harder to follow how difficult is it for somebody like you to try and rally the community again or or with some of the programs that you're looking at such as I'll give you fair wages you know affordable housing right. is a problem yeah. Uh, You know why it's not hard? It's not
2: hard because it's evidence-based advocacy. So the National Low Income Housing Coalition publishes a report about the gap between what people earn in a given community and the amount of rent that you have to be able to pay in order to get a studio, a one-bedroom or a two-bedroom. And the gap is so huge that that tells the whole story. How we get to close the gap has to do with what the industry, the real estate industry, is doing, and it has to do with how much employers pay. And it brings up a whole array of issues. But when you bring that information to a legislator's office at the state level or the federal level— That's the evidence. How you solve those problems is the art and science of what good nonprofits do, which is to take apart a problem and to say there's a solution and here's how we all need to give. So it's less ideological than you might think on the face of it. I
0: mean, the the idea of... The idea of affordable housing is almost laughable here in Washington Mm (laughs) D.C. I mean, Charlie, I mean Charlie, you've been around this area and around the real estate market for a long time. I have. I have, I mean, you've seen the changes, and now you start to see. You know, Amazon coming in, and and I know we're doing a little bit inside the Beltway talk here for those of you who really don't care about this stuff <laughs> we can inside all go the Beltway, to hell inside right? The Beltway. Exactly. Yeah. But you know, when we when we start looking at the the influence of Amazon coming in, we start you know talking about uh, you know I, I got friends here in Washington D.C. who have lived here their whole lives that yeah. you know now start calling parts of Southeast D.C. the should it's not the hood anymore. It should be the hood, but now it's got <sighs> you know. Puppy dogs and yeah. carriages and Harris yeah. Teeters and Whole Foods. The, the The reality is, how do we fight the market? Because the market demands these high prices. At the same time of saying, look, it's it's fight or flight. Yeah. You can either afford here or you gotta mm. not do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, I'm, 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 I'm just saying, we've discussed these issues. Wow, this is so not the topic. <laughs> wow, this is awesome. This we're is off We've got to We've actually changed everything. You know what? Hey, we're not putting this up. This is great. This is awesome. We're just so publishing this.
2: Uh, go ahead. Well, I would just say, and then Charlie, who you asked the question to right, can yeah. respond. But it really you has to do with who are the <laughs> decision makers. It's really not just about, yeah. oh, you can get more, so you should, you should ask more. It is about... What makes a good city? What makes a good town? It needs to have resources. It's not just about uh, production of affordable housing. It's about are there businesses that are sustainable? Are there places to earn a living? Are there places to live? And when you take that more intentional approach, then you can create a quality of life that works for everyone. And that's what good municipal leaders do or are pushed to do. And that's what good nonprofits do, is they put those issues on the table.
0: But as somebody who's been around like municipal politics for a while, I can tell you that we look at the situation, like if I'm on D.C. City Council yeah. and I have, you know, to set aside, like we have sectioning housing, we have all that, right. uh, we do not But have, not enough. Not, agreed. Ag- agreed. But you're taking away our ability to better the city if you limit our tax income- if I can get if I can get tax on a million dollar house instead of a hundred and eighty thousand dollar house, which that house might have been ten years ago, uh, how does, how do we justify that? Look at
2: Fourteenth Street. Look okay. at Fourteenth Street. Yeah, okay. Is that sustainable wealth? I'm not even sure if it is. Maybe it is, but you can't have a city just of. That kind of wealth and that kind of catering to a section of the city, there's a lot of good things about the rebuilding of 14th Street, but there's right. a lot of displacement that happened. And it is possible to navigate those two when you do it very carefully and thoughtfully. Charlie, you're nodding your head yes.
0: You agree. Well, I, I saw a lot in
3: Prince George's County yes. when uh, the hotel came in. There were a lot of people who were literally pushed out of mm-hmm. their lifelong homes for the development and for the new uh, the new housing that became started growing up because of the uh, National Harbor right. project, um, and there was I was on the board of the Prince George's County Conference and Visitors Bureau at the time, and we talked a great deal about the displacement and what would happen to the. The population who'd been there, so I'm a little bit aware of what, of what yeah. Ann's talking about, and I'm not sure what solutions I'm not on the board there anymore. They've come up with, but a lot of those people have been pushed out of their uh, homes that they had for decades because that whole neighborhood is now different. Um, I'm not saying and it's good uh, or bad, uh, yes, but I, I I don't go over there unfortunately. But
0: but, so. he, but here's the question then, though: is you, you look? Let's take for example, and for those who aren't familiar with what we're talking about, there is a large, a very large uh, complex in uh, a county on the other side of the Potomac River east of Washington, D.C., called Prince George's County, a very much historically black yes. community, a- black, black yeah. uh, middle-income, yep. uh, even affluent black sure. uh, families come and live in Prince George's County. But the area you're talking about just developed this huge complex of yeah. a casino, including yeah. the MGM National Harbor uh, and other complexes in that area. To me, the few people that were displaced—I mean, does does the harm to the few better the majority in Prince George's County because of the tax base and tax revenue it gets?
3: Well, well, it's a complicated question because where are exactly those tax dollars going?
2: Exactly, who's benefiting? Who's fair enough? Because I don't, don't think that accrue. went back
3: to the school system. For example, a lot of those because I used to be in tourism lobbying. A lot of those tax dollars go right back into the tourism part and not in to what Ann would call the community building part. So, and I don't know where the Gaylord tax dollars go. I don't, but I know that was a hotly debated matter. Where are those? Are those dollars really going back into the county? That was something that we discussed. So, I don't know the final solution of where those dollars are, but I bet you they're not exactly where the uh, Prince George's County, you know, directors wanted them to go to. No, a camp, and I, so. I
2: think it, what, what it gets to is that communities, people need to be organized. Right. And whether you take that in a very literal way of organized, they need to be thoughtful about where they live and what does it mean to contribute to and live in and be part of a community. You have to also be responsible and accountable. And I would say that for the bureaucracy of a city and for the residents of a city and all the people who come into the city as consumers of it.
0: But I mean, but like for a situation like this, it's not like we're getting, uh, you know, for the, for the <clears throat> situation in Prince George's County, mm-hmm. Prince George's County didn't come in, run ramshot and go imminent domain. You know, they were offered. These are people that were offered fair market value and in some cases, even above fair market value. Or their houses in the interest of creating a bigger tax base to provide the services such as police, fire, social services, et cetera. Well,
2: I would need to know where all of those dollars are going and also under what circumstances were people offered a buyout to leave. And also there have been issues about the workers, the people who are working in that area and fair wages. I know your favorite topic. (laughs) Oh, uh, Lord.
0: She, wow, she poked the sleeping bear. She poked the sleeping bear. No, no, but it, 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 go on, go on. So
2: it's more complicated than you're posing this to be, but it really means well, there's yeah. a lot that goes into what is good development. What is develop? Not all development is good development. Not all development is development. It's right. bad development.
0: you agree with that, Charlie?
3: Well, I do. And, and looking at it from a completely different uh, uh, point of view, I remember being on the water with my father as a kid looking at that parcel of land. That was mm. a huge green space. Right. And it's not now. So I often talk about the environmental aspects, not necessarily the political aspects, but how was that developed? How does that fit how? into our ecological system? Because it was such a large development when I toured it that they had built three Package concrete factories on site because it was cheaper to build a concrete wow. factory on site than, to ship, a, it than to ship it in. That to me said, this is an amazingly oh. complex development. I don't know anything, you know, when we built the golf course, we had to do groundwater studies and environmental studies and 14 right. test right. wells, and we were grilled. And so I like to think about that aspect of how it built fits in our community too. I know now that enormous green space. There were actually no homes dislodged by it. It was uh, the the homes that were dislodged were by developers wanting to upscale their community mm-hmm. and yeah. move uh, yeah. lower income housing out. I've got a friend who still lives about twenty minutes from from there. Um, so it's very rural. It's very uh, there are very many layers in that county. It's a complicated question, Justin. Don't ask me hard yeah, questions. Yeah.
2: <laughs> don't make a stomach down. Don't I, I this
0: just want to be, to be a podcast, podcast. guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, just... I thought we were talking about Donald Trump. <laughs> we are going to be talking about Donald Trump. But... No, no, but here's the funny thing about it is, is, and this ties into the situation with Donald Trump, is that, you know, when we – and I just had this conversation with a couple of uh, national – recognized journalists the other day. Okay, now name dropping.
2: Yeah, go ahead.
0: Um, oh, I'm not mentioning their names because <laughs> oh, they, 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 they have reputations.
2: The, but, the reality oh my gosh, is, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> no, you, hey, you
0: agreed. <laughs> the reality is, you know, talking about Donald Trump is, you know, here's a guy that literally got put into the White House by, on the backs of the lunch pail, blue collar, lower yep. middle income, middle income people from the Rust Belt from middle America. The family farmers, the auto workers, the Teamsters that, yeah. that follow suit on that. These are people that literally, in some instances, save their entire life to put their kids through college. They uh they some of them even go paycheck to paycheck just to give them their family a better life. And they put him into office on the auspices of hey, I feel you. I get you. Yes. Nobody else gets you, you've been abandoned by the Democratic Party, nobody else gets you, I do. Do you really believe that Donald Trump would know no. how to go <laughs> grocery shopping? No. Well, no would not you really. do you think that Donald Trump would know what to do in a self-serve buffet line? no 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 uh so this goes back you know bringing up your community activism and, and bringing up you know your community uh partnerships brings up the fact that the people that literally put Donald Trump into play hmm.
2: are the ones now getting screwed. The family farmers, for example. I I agree. And and people knew for years and years. I I was in New York when Trump was uh, in his earlier real estate career. And, of course, he is the creature of his father's real estate career, which was very much about discriminating against African-American renters who he violated the law to not rent to. And that strategy and that outlook and that perspective is carried on into his actions at uh, the Department of Housing and Urban Development. So it's very consistent. He hasn't strayed from who he is, but somehow the message, I mean, your point is a good one. Uh, What is that message that resonated? He seemed to have tapped into this uh, belief system that people have that they wanted to be validated and recognized, and apparently... Uh, they've bought into it, and it's really unfortunate because he's not about them at all. I mean,
0: Admiral Ken, we we we've talked about this at, at length on the auspices of you know you look at the at the rhetoric and the demagoguery coming out of Donald Trump and Donald Trump's camp, but you also have to admit the fact that Donald Trump overperformed when it came to black voters. And he overperformed when he came to Hispanic voters. How do you balance that with the current political, you know, with the current political environment we're trying to deal with today?
1: I think a lot of that had to do with name recognition. Uh, he's always been quite good at self-promotion, um, and, and and arguably uh, his time running um, The Apprentice, you know, um, yeah. it ser- ser- served him well. Uh, it served him well. I think, though, when you go back and you look at the uh, the outcome of the Alabama special election, where even my 80 at the time, 85 year old mother got out of her um, retirement home to go and vote no against can- uh, Trump's candidate. Mm-hmm. I think that he has spent the last two and a half years educating uh, Hispanic and black voters as to who he really is and where his portion of educating those voters has left off. I think the media has done an incredibly good job of basically, with the exception of Fox News, perhaps, of of of, uh, of taking that education the rest of the way. I think it will be very interesting to see how he over uh, outperforms uh, in those in those demographics uh, in 2020. Uh, but you know, quite frankly, um, based on the last show that we had. Uh, I think we've got some legitimate concerns about the ability of the Democratic Party to not continue this circular firing squad that they seem to be engaged in right now. Uh, because quite frankly, if they manage to, you know, to, to destroy um, credible candidates who've got a legitimate shot at beating Donald Trump, people will not, they've, they've already shown a propensity to hold their nose and vote for
0: this guy. And, and I think they'll do it again. And, yeah. and, and you know, that Admiral that Ken brings up a good point. And uh, the, when we look at, When we talk about terms like fair wages, affordable housing, when we talk about uh, gentrification, which I know is an ugly word to many, when we look at that, to somebody in Boone, Iowa, they don't get. They've got affordable housing. They've got a, good a fair living wage. They they hear the rhetoric coming out of the Democratic Party, especially the far progressive ones, the AOCs, uh, the Bernie Sanders, those those types, and they hear that, and, and they're going, no, I don't care. That is a New York City, LA, Seattle,
2: Miami problem. That doesn't represent me. How do you deflect that? I'm not sure that they are as free from those concerns as you suggest. Um, I think that if the, the studies show, when you look at the national housing costs as opposed to what people have the ability to pay, the market is being artificially inflated in many parts of the country, and there are real concerns. And, of course, issues like insurance are of universal concern, the costs associated with that. So right. it's not so much about the rhetoric; it's about breaking down what the real conditions are. But the real conditions to that. But are the
0: real conditions real in places like Boone, Iowa, or uh, you know, you know, uh, Duke, Wisconsin, or those places where mm-hmm. you're talking about largely agricultural? These are family farms. And it's not unusual sometimes to say, you know what, I can survive on one job, but you know what, my family, my parents and my grandparents work two jobs, they work the farm, I'm going to do the same thing, yeah. but they hear what they see on television, what they hear on radio, what they hear through podcasts, and what they hear coming out of Washington is the same arguments that only resonate with people living in Let's say the Bronx, as opposed to right. Boone,
2: does well, that make the, sense uh, yeah no, I understand yeah, but i would I would question that a little bit and Why? I, I well, I think that the enormous field of candidates and the in of Democrats oh boy uh, yeah. yes <laughs> um, I mean it it can seem crazy and overblown, but it also is bringing a lot of excitement and it's pushing people to really identify their policy positions, and people are coming in with clear Actual policy positions, not rhetoric, not just sort of ideological fervor, but actual positions based on Mm -hmm. evidence. Yeah, but I mean— if okay. the party can sort of pull it back a little bit and make it more relatable, that's the job of those candidates to go to all of those places and be relatable to the different constituencies. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie, I mean, you know, when we... It, well, he doesn't like that, so he's no, rejecting it. No, 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 that. no, I'm not rejecting <laughs> no, it. No, he's not, not. This is background politics, it. and I, I'm not rejecting it. I can we, handle know, it. I, I, I no, no, I'm it. not rejecting it, no, but it, bring, it does beg the question. Like Charlie, i pose this to you, and I'll come back. To you with the same question, Ann. Sure. Uh, free college for all sounds nice. Free college for all sounds great. How do yeah. you pay for it? Yeah. I, I mean that we we can I can say healthcare for all, which by the way everybody forgets originally was. A I can real, answer that
1: question. N- yeah. Okay.
0: Go ahead, go ahead. Admiral Ken. How, how,
1: how do you pay for free college for all? uh when i and when i when i um ask myself or others that question i specifically talk about state schools versus private universities right you pay you pay for it through national service you know we've gotten away from the idea that that serving your country is a good thing uh we got rid of the draft and i think quite frankly the military after 32 years plus in the in the, the military i think that we we uh we lost something when we did that, mm-hmm. but I think some demand of national service on the back end of it um, for a period of four to five years uh, would go hand in hand with, national, with, with uh, free college for all. And let's face it, you know I'm from a family of educators I'm the only person that didn't become a teacher. I decided to be a Navy guy instead because I thought flying airplanes and going to sea was cool. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, our entire society. Suffers when we have a bunch of people who are not as educated as they could be, and if we're basically holding on so tight to our to our purses that we're not willing to 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 to, to make that investment, then I think long term the country's going to suffer for it.
0: Okay, but I, I go back. Yeah. But that's yes, fine. Well and and I don't disagree with Admiral Ken, but that's not the message coming out of Bernie Sanders. It's no, it, and and that's yeah. that's the problem. It it, it sounds great. Uh, when it, when you hear it coming out of Congresswoman Orozco-Cortez, it sounds terrific. But again, how do you pay for it? How do you not – health care for all, same thing. I,
3: I, don't have, I don't have an answer, but I, I just am remembering, listening to our conversation, taking my father to the poll, Ju- uh, Justin, I haven't told you this, and, and I was trying to talk him out of voting for Donald Trump at the time. And he just would turn to me and say, I know, Charlie, but he just says what I want to hear. Yeah. Huh. And oh, that, brings up that for me, subject. you know, and I know this is a, another part of it, but I said, but dad, he said, yeah, but he just he just says what I want to hear. I wonder if those voters you referred to earlier in, in our in our election just remember Donald Trump being able to say you're fired.
0: Oh. and that's what got him. You know, I want somebody in there who will fire the guys I don't like, whoever I, the heck they are. I take so, heat. I take large amounts of heat every time. Yeah. Uh, and just did it this past Friday, uh, gave a speech up at American University to the political science department. Thank you, Dr. Crouch. I know you're listening. The, um, I literally have – I've been saying this on the air here and since we did this 10 years ago. This country has created a stupid, lazy, yeah. misinformed electorate that yes. takes no personal responsibility in how they're governed. Yeah. They literally – this is P.T. Barnum Central – they literally will buy whatever thirty second soundbite is put right. in front of them, and it's on both sides too. Oh, it is on, absolutely. It, you know. For every Rachel Maddow, we have a <laughs> yeah. we, we have a Sean Hannity. Right. For every. Oh
2: no 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 no. For no that's every, a bad but, uh, comparison. But, but when the and,
3: late night talk show hosts go out on the street, to your point, and ask people on the street who's who's in office or what's going on and they just don't know if you went back to ken's point Admiral ken's point if we did military service or had at least some respect for the system i think a lot of that would change i don't know how you make that happen but But, my uh, father served my father-in-law served in the reserves they led different lives right you know
0: right admiral ken
1: well, I was just going to say, you know, one of, the, you know, and, and Justin, I think you you may or may not remember this, but we saw Jesse Walters at the uh, at the RNC in Cleveland, and you know, and I challenged him on the fact that you know he he only finds the stupid and uninformed to put on his on his show when he starts asking questions about who's who in the zoo, and you know, and I got a relatively smug, unin you know unintelligent response back, and. And quite frankly, you know, all respect for him as a journalist went out the window with that interaction. But uh, to, to to everybody's point, the, the the fact of the matter is, I think that because we don't have um, people uh, a lot lar- in a large number that have done some sort of public service, and I'm not just talking the military. I'm talking no. um, yeah. you can serve your state. You know, uh, go work for the state department. Go work for the Peace Corps. Do something sure. that you know to basically understand that it's a lot. Uh, more than it just being about yourself and i think we've kind of lost
0: that i I, I, agree that's i i I absolutely agree we're going to keep this free fall going because that's what we do on the second show (laughs) (laughs) uh we're going to take a quick break and and by the way my 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 nephew uh just my god nephew and godson from new york city just chimed in and said bumped into aoc on the subway the other day told her she was doing a great job and i just went wow you, you're him. not he's Good not from my him. gene pool yeah he's not from my gene pool Good for him. No, I do love him thank you for listening Brian I love you all right we'll be back this is the best political talk show you've never heard of this is background politics from podcast Village. we'll be back in two minutes say with us. thank, thank you and
4: here's what I long to say to you hello where have you been if you could only read What a tale you'd find If I could, I would Be bound forever And I'd never sever me from you You won't believe it's true But I've been missing you I dream of kissing you Let's give it one more chance One more slow dance Heartstring Let's sing Tie my heart to you Hello Hello, heartstring, where have you been? If you could only read my mind, what a tale you'd find.
0: Washington, D.C. This is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. (laughs) I love this. You know, you know. Still trying to derail the show. It, you know, it, it's always good when you're dealing with professionals. This I'm sitting with two people. One guy owns the Podcast Village. Yes. Who's the that? other one has a long-standing uh, podcast broadcasting out of here, and yet, and we're just talking we're just in talking. out of the break. It's just, like yeah. bumper music, be damned. I was uh, asking whether I should leave or not. <laughs> no, celebrating no a why? Year. Is it a year? And is one I just year old? My yeah. one
2: year of. F- 58 fantastic guests that have been on Power Station that are movers and changers to make a better world.
0: That is fantastic! Cool. Pretty Congratulations! Pretty cool. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We're starting to we're, we're bringing back interviews. Hopefully, <laughs> we're bringing back interviews. We are bringing back Admiral Ken. We're bringing back interviews. So anyway, Admiral Ken just showing <laughs> Admiral us, Admiral Ken, is, yeah, Admiral Ken down yeah. in del Vista. I'm your host, uh, Amari okay. Justin <laughs> <laughs> Russell. For those who don't know, we're, for, okay, for those who don't know, uh, who listen to the show regularly, we actually have a video screen and we do a video connectivity for all the people who are. On the show, but can't be here physically, like Admiral Ken. Well, we have a picture of Admiral Ken's office at his home in Boca del Vista, yes, we and do. we'll see him just pop in and out in between, like he is. <laughs> <laughs> Good God. he's he's doing a little chair talk, dance. Yeah, let's he's do talk a little, a little chair bit. dance. <laughs> All right, joining me in the studio, I'm your host, moderator Justin Russell. Joining me here, uh, Ann Pensmak, who is a it was the creator and host of Power Station, a podcast that you can get uh, through your favorite pod services. And Charlie Bernie, the host and founder of the Podcast Village, where we are housed, our gracious host, uh, (laughs) Rob, the engineer behind the screen. Okay, so you know, again, I've I've shot the the schedule, the script. I'm just putting this away now because, oh, yeah, I'm putting the computer away because I got no reason for it now. You brought up something very interesting, and we were talking about this earlier. As I I, I want you, I want you to tell the listeners what you told me at the break. As that little. That little statistic, that little nugget you just gave me. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I had a fabulous guest on uh, two weeks ago uh, Amanda Berkson Shilcock from the National Skills Coalition. They have, is it Rob the engineer? Is it uh, 28,000 members who are employers, who are workers, who are community colleges, who are all part of the infrastructure of building our workforce who all go together to state capitals and to Capitol Hill to advocate and educate and do all that stuff that we do to talk to policymakers about what is needed in the workforce and what is needed are what they call middle school, middle skill jobs. And that means skills that are specialized for industries that are important right now, whether they're maritime or technological, they can, they're all over the map literally. And that's where the public investment needs to go. And in some cases that's working, it's swaying, Congressional decision makers into understanding what their states and what our nation overall needs. But and, and the
0: thing about it is, what we were talking about during the break, and Charlie, you, you jumped in on this. I I, I tend to do that. I, you, you do, uh, but <laughs> but the the issue is that if you go to a lifelong mechanic, or in like you know Admiral Ken, in your case, you know a, a family of lifelong educators, and you said, hey where do you want your kid to go? Do you want him to go to technical school or do you want him to go to college? The majority of them would say, if not all of them would say, oh, I want my kid to go to college. That is the key to the is next best life.
2: I don't know. Admiral Ken.
1: I think that's changing.
3: I agree with Ken. Yeah. Uh,
1: I think that's changing. So, uh, of, of my four, uh, three, um, uh, are getting college degrees or have college degrees, and one, you know, decided to go into the trades, and you know, uh, he's he very successful. Well, by trades, I uh, mean let's
0: be clear. I mean we're talking about the service industry. He's in hospitality. We, yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah still trades though.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh,
1: so, and uh, so I think that's changing, and I think that there's a there's a growing realization in this country that because of maybe some changes that have occurred in the socioeconomic dynamic that 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 is the united states of america we're we're getting away from the idea that you got to go to college to be successful you know i took two of the most successful business people that i know and these are successful business people uh because unlike the president they've never declared bankruptcy and they're very very successful one is a college, one is one is a uh, college graduate. The other one is a former army enlisted man, and I mean they're doing an amazing, amazing things right there in Washington D.C. One of, in one of the most competitive commercial markets on the planet, mm-hmm. and I think we're I think we're getting away from the idea that you got to go to college to make it. You, you know, we're I think we're getting back to you know, what the American dream is all about. And that's the fact that this is the one place in the world where you can come, you can arrive on our shores with absolutely nothing and through just sheer force of will make something of yourself. The people that I think that are make, that are the, the biggest group of the Trump supporters are the ones that want to point the finger and say, I can't make it because of these people. And yes. unfortunately, I think you're always going to have those folks with us.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, the, the, the question that always comes up is who are these
2: people? These people are, in part, some of who these people are, are immigrants who are um, don't have citizenship yet. And these middle school jobs and the certifications that are required to get them and then to be employed in these industries is a pathway to citizenship. That's what the even the president is saying that we want. Well, then then show up for this and endorse these kinds of. Uh, investments in these jobs and enable people to become citizens while pr- contributing to society.
3: Charlie? The, the only thing I wanted to add to the conversation before I, before I forgot it is that I actually have two 19-year-olds. Right. And they have a different view than my wife and I do about college. We want them to go to college just like you were saying. Right. But I can clearly say now that my daughter is very, very satisfied. She's full of doing everything she can. My son would absolutely have preferred another choice really mm-hmm. and as we've talked about it very very openly he talked about dropping out he doesn't see he doesn't feel that it's giving him what he really wants i can tell you he would much rather have gone to a technical school for uh physical therapy or kine or whatever he ended up choosing he would right. he would rather have done that mm-hmm. and his intention is to have several several jobs that is you know mm-hmm. uh, that's he doesn't think he his interest the, and let's not get into this but his interest is so attention span, he doesn't want to work eight hours anywhere uh, a day. He wants to have a couple of And
0: that's unusual in
3: this generation. and, And I'm not sure there's anything necessarily wrong with that. But college doesn't really prepare him for a series no. of part-time jobs. He needs a trade, in in my opinion. So he's studying some things that, and hopefully he'll make it four years. You know, the only thing that's kept him in, to be honest with you, is he, he has a girlfriend. Wow. Oh, okay. So, okay. Uh, the and, girlfriend. And he's quotient. already registered next year for. Uh, guess yeah. what? Wait for it. A single. A single. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> so Here we go. I'm cooked. But yeah, that's you not are. The, yeah. You're, you're pretty, pretty much screwed, the, Charlie. That's not the discussion. <laughs> but but it's interesting. I, I would be fascinated to talk to 119 year olds about that same question. Mm-hmm. You know. Full, full college or trade school do you see college as necessary i'm going to guess that there's a lot of difference just as ken said in the in the, those answers today than there were 10 years ago you,
0: you know the, the funny thing about it is in and we hear a lot of it about the and i and i we've talked about this on this show numerous times when we talk about those people what we in and, and this goes back to the uh The comment of we have created a stupid, lazy, misinformed electorate that takes no personal responsibility in how they're governed. We hear about, you know, I don't want those brown people coming across the southern border because they're going to take my jobs and they're killers and they're rapists and everything. What they don't realize is those people, those brown people coming across the border are the reason why you don't pay $25 for a quart of strawberries. They're That's the right. reason why you're not paying $5 for each orange. That's the reason why you're paying $32 a night for a Motel 6 outside Topeka, Kansas, is because they do the jobs and and they are and, and they are grateful for those jobs. But they do they the do, jobs that we're not willing to we do. We are not I, willing I, to do. I agree.
2: But and, we also don't want to be in a world where those people are doing jobs for so little money, and they're not compensated as oh, I, they should be. They're no, Also yeah. vulnerable yeah. to deportation. No, no, no I, agreed.
0: But but here is the thing, though. About that is, you know, when you have a situation like we have, look, say what you will about Trump. Trump has been at the helm, and we have literally almost virtual un, We have virtual no lack of employment. We have it. We have low unemployment numbers. We cannot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Denounce that, yeah. but the but as a result of that, people can be a lot more selective in the jobs that they want. Those rooms aren't going to get cleaned themselves. The oranges aren't going to be picked. The migrant, you know, the migrants that are we. I guess the bottom line here is we've created an economy that is so dependent on a migrant workforce that we don't realize you take that out, and you're paying. 18 bucks for a package of chicken breasts yeah and and nobody talks about that that is something that they don't want to hear that's not part of the dialogue now so here's the question is how do we and, and and normally from the from the progressive side from from the democratic side we hear well. There are people that always need work. What about the homeless people? What right. about you know those in the street? What you know? What about the the underemployed? Well, those right. jobs are available to them. They just choose not to do them. Right. Right. So how do we how
2: do we cross that that gap? Well, I I. How could, do we answer
0: that? I
3: don't. I don't right. know. Yeah.
2: I mean, I think first of all, we have we. You can't talk about this without talking about the vulnerability of immigrants in this country right now, and not just Latino immigrants, but uh, Asian American, Pacific Islander, and African immigrants, all of whom are subject to deportation if they are not uh, citizens, and the pathway to citizenship has become much more complicated, much more fraught with challenge. Then how you bring people into the workforce for those who are low-skilled or middle-skilled. There are a lot of high-skilled immigrants in this country, Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we really need to kind of revisit where people stand in that in the workforce. Well,
0: I, I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, Washington, D.C. is a great example. A, any one of us has a story where we've gotten into a cab, and the cab driver happens to have a medical degree from yeah. his country from his in Africa. Country. Yeah. Yeah. And he's driving yeah. a cab now. And but yeah. and quite frankly, he's happy to be driving the cab. Yeah. But the reality is, you know, now the question is, well, why can't he be a doctor here? You, you go and do medical service. I'm not sure I want somebody with a degree from insert... Medical college where this guy got his degree from, doing an appendectomy on me, cutting me open. Uh, well, I, I mean, I mean, that's a legitimate concern. I have okay. no, I have no way to know is this a legitimate thing or did he draw zippy or give fifty dollars to right. his
2: his. It's, we could say that for some of our t- own. Say, no, that's true uh, too.
0: That, that is true
2: too. But too. as
3: you are parsing that out, I was thinking about. I wonder. This isn't necessarily right, uh, but I wonder the employees who were fired from. Trump's uh, workforce. Yes, what are the replacement employees being paid in comparison to what the um, undocumented the immigrants undocumented immigrants were that paid. they
2: hired? They were happy to hire, but then they fired. I
3: just wondered the new employees. You know, is there a, is there a parity of scale there? I don't
0: question. know. Uh, that question. does, Admiral Ken. You know. Not too far south from you, just but about forty-five miles as the crow flies. Mar-a-Lago uh-huh. is lago and uh, a lot of the I haven't been
1: I haven't been invited yet.
3: Yeah, that goes think... for everybody. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: yeah, Ken. I don't think you
3: and I are going to get invited. But according to the news, you don't necessarily have to be that's invited. No, apparently, right apparently, in. <laughs> anybody can just walk in. And go, hey, I with, want to see. With Trump. several
0: cell phones and a, and a laptop. Hard a laptop. That's true. <laughs> that's true. But you, you know, you you look at. Uh, the, the workforce that Donald Trump just got rid of because all of a sudden he realized, shocking, I have undocumented workers working in my place. He had no idea. No idea, which we all know is bullcrap Remember what Alfred D e. Newman said, what me worry? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> P.T. Barnum also said there's a sucker born every minute. Uh, so when we see those places, do you know anybody in that part of South Florida that would take the job at Mar-a-Lago to do housekeeping yeah. for the for the for the money that he's probably not going to pay them. No. So yeah, here's I, here's the question: Is no the 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 hypocrisy on the Do you really think that Donald Trump is going to have a full workforce cleaning rooms at Mar-a-Lago? No. no, no. The only two ways he's all right. So here's the, here's the thing: is and this goes into your point. You know what he's going to have to do. That's it. That? He's going to have to pay him like 30 bucks an hour to clean the room. That's that's, that's exactly awesome. and, and you know it. what? Yeah. And hey, you know what? More power to him. Yeah. But if he well, does-
1: but, but, but think about it, though. So think about it. So so I'm not entirely sure that this is a good example because most of the people who would go to stay at Mar-a-Lago, I believe are presumed by the management of Mar-a-Lago to be able to afford that occasionally 30, 30, uh, 30 bucks uh, um, addition to, to the mm-hmm. room rate. That's, I mean that's that's, that's not fair. a good that's not a good example. The example that you want to look for are business travelers like myself and you and others that are, you know, our budgets our budgets for travel are set every year. And so very few companies can afford, you know, a, a 35 or 40% uptick uh, in their hotel uh, accommodations yeah. uh, for, out-of-town that, 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 but that's going to come out
0: of Donald Trump profits. He's not going to, he's not going to raise twenty five, thirty percent his rooms.
1: I don't, I don't think his profits will take a hit. I you really don't think, don't. He, you
0: don't think he cares? Do,
1: no, I don't, think, I don't think he cares. I don't think his profits are going to take a hit.
2: He's we'll also see. run on that uh, business p- practice of not paying people for Yes, true too. No. And <laughs> I remember when he was building, you know, 30 years ago in New York City, and having Polish immigrants, these right. men coming over, uh, and and building, and he didn't that, pay. That's people. exactly right. He did yeah. not pay people.
0: Right. No, no, and he's
3: notorious for that. But well, I remember the campaign when his teleprompter broke, and he said, make sure we don't pay those guys. And I thought, what a horrible, <laughs> horrible thing to say. Yeah. You know, you're saying, it's okay not to pay. Don't don't and say that on television. Yeah, right. yeah,
0: you yeah especially when you're going to be, I don't know, the president of the United States. Yes. But again, <laughs> P.T. Barnum runs rampant here. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, we've, we've literally only got a, a few minutes left, but I just want to uh, give a shout out. Uh, to power station, Thank where, you. where where do you guys you guys broadcast on a service like uh, Spreaker or or uh, they're on iTunes, Fox, right? we're on, right. iTunes You're on iTunes and
2: SoundCloud, and um, yeah, we're really we've been. Me, we're really excited (laughs) uh, to be uh, joining you and to be uh, bringing together, really just amplifying the voices of people doing important
0: things. That's amazing. And and for those who listen out there, regardless, because I know that you know, some on the right side <laughs> of the moon would be like, "Oh think, my God, there. no, there. burn it down!" There. We're all we're all good friends. <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah. The, yeah. The thing about it is, it's actually it's actually, it, it's actually a, a a great podcast to listen okay. to. It is uh, it, it is a a more, I, I guess, a more proactive view of not only what we deal with here, but for those who listen in the in the mid middle America, the struggles of what it's like. You know, it's not all. Roses, rainbows, and cinnamon rolls here (laughs) in the inner city. uh, It 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 gets to be it gets to be a little it gets to be a little tough. We have people
2: from all over, and it really because what you've said before is important. You know, what are people thinking, and what what did you say? Iowa where we've had people from Iowa. Boone, we've Iowa. Had people yeah. from Alabama. <laughs> so Boone, uh, Iowa. those are real voices that are also yeah. in the change making business.
0: Yeah, that yes. no, that's very true. Great. And uh great things happening here at Podcast Village. Absolutely. Oh always I can't tell you. I can't. You can't it's tell you. All No, you literally it's can't secret. tell me. Yeah, that's
2: great. Thank you. We do have a that's bunch a of shows that
3: that are in production that I can't, I literally can't tell oh. you. about. Yeah. As, well, as long, as, as, we we our, as, long as we keep
0: our slot, we yeah. don't care. Exactly. Uh, Admiral Ken, thanks as always. Appreciate it. Nice seeing you. And Ken. Uh, with that, uh, on behalf of Admiral Ken, Rob the engineer, keeping us honest behind the glass. Thank you, Rob. You, yeah, you, actually, I should give you producer credit. You produced yeah. this, buddy. Yeah, I booked the guest today. Yeah, you yeah. did. Guest booker. That'll go on the resume.
3: <laughs> I, I don't know if you're going to keep him as a producer now. No, no,
0: no. That's a problem. Yeah, I can't afford you're him right. now. I'm going to have to get migrant producers. Justin, I'd just like to thank you for letting me be on your show. I oh, really no, it was it. It. Thank awesome.
2: you for having yeah. me on. I really oh, appreciate it. And
0: thank you. And uh, with that, on behalf of Charlie and I'm your host and moderator, Justin Russell, we will be back next time for the best political talk show you've never heard of, background Politics from Podcast Village, Studio A in Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C., your nation's capital. You can follow us on Twitter, at Backroom Politics. You can also follow us on Instagram, at Backroom Politics. You can also download the historical documents, backroompolitics.org, or you can download us as a podcast through your favorite podcast service, iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, and even uh, Spotify. We're kind of a big deal now. Hey, thanks a lot, America. Have a great one. We'll talk soon.